Today, as you and I come to this incredibly special moment, now remember this morning driving over here, getting ready to pray and walk through the chairs, and it was amazing to see the sun just coming up. And I don't know, the sunset and the sunrise is beautiful in this part of the country, and it's, it's always an amazing thing to get up early and to see the sunrise, but there's something special on Easter, isn't there? Because you see, it's not just the sun, S-U-N, that rose again, but it's the sun, S-O-N, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that today? See, as you and I get ready to conclude our series, as we look at this series, Easter Eyes, we come once again to the cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And just two days ago on Good Friday, I invited you to come and to bring the name of one person that you know needs Jesus and to be praying for that person. And isn't it a beautiful thing to see all those names? To realize that on the cross of Calvary, Christ died for me, for my name, for your name. But as we get ready, so often what happens is we... We talk about the tomb and the empty tomb, and we need to celebrate the empty tomb. But if we don't come to the cross and really realize what Jesus Christ did for all of us, then the the reason that the tomb will be empty for us is because it will have no meaning. And so today, as we conclude our series, Easter Eyes, we come and we look at Easter finally through the eyes of Jesus. As he hung on the cross, what did he see? And you see, it's in this moment that you and I get to see what Jesus saw, the forgiveness and the free gift of God's forgiveness. You see, at the foot of the cross, the soldiers were gambling for his garments. At the foot of the cross, the crowds were hurling their insults, cheered on by the religious leaders of the day. At the foot of the cross were the women weeping. Was John watching? Was the sky starting to grow dark as the light of the world was about to go out? The ground was starting to shake and the rocks were beginning to split apart. And every single moment had a message. But today we're going to look at one simple message from the cross. The words of Jesus, his final words as he said, Father, forgive them, they do not know what they are doing. You see, it's here that Jesus used his very last breath to speak words of life and words of love. And I want you to picture Jesus for a moment on the cross in agony and in order to be able to breathe because crucifixion suffocated a person and made them suffer through that. Jesus had to push with his feet against the nails and pull with his wrists against the nails just to lift himself up enough to get his ribcage into a place where he could take in a breath, what would you do with that breath if that was your final breath? Would you speak words of love, words of life? You see, it's here that Jesus not only spoke forgiveness, but he sought our forgiveness. And my prayer for us is that we will be people who don't just seek the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, but speak about the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32. Luke 22, 20, excuse me, 23, verse 32. 
Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowds watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said, let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In the midst of the torture and the horror and the pain, who did Jesus turn to? You see, it starts here, number one, with the Father. He could have responded with retaliation, and instead he rested in a relationship with God the Father. Can I ask you this question? Where are you going to turn in the hard and the hurtful times of life? Because we're all going to experience pain in this life. Are you going to turn to God the Father? Are you going to turn to your feelings? How many of us today, we turn to Facebook, right, when we go through hard things? Why? Because we want everyone to know about how hard it is because we're trying to get all of our friends to sympathize with us. And what we're really doing is we're turning to friends to, to, to Facebook. And we're broadcasting our hurts. Do you notice here that Jesus didn't proclaim his pain? He didn't proclaim his problems. He proclaimed God's plan of redemption. And somewhere in the midst of the hurts of this life, we have to turn to God the Father or we will become people who promote our problems and promote our pain instead of promoting the plan of God. Are you going to be a witness to your wounds or a witness to the one that you worship? It's here that we see Jesus say the word Father. And back then in, in Jesus' day, everybody talked about God from the position of power. And while that is correct, Jesus took it a step further and made it personal because the Aramaic word here literally means daddy. When the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, they watched this intimacy that Jesus had with the Father and they wanted that. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And what did he say? Our Father who art in heaven, daddy. Do you have that intimate connection with the Father today? Because for many of us, God is just some distant deity. He's not our daddy. Why? Because we've never really, truly cried out to him. What happens when we turn to our feelings? And man, it is so easy to be feeling driven. And I'm not saying that you should ignore your feelings. Your feelings are telling you that something is wrong in your life. But your feelings can't fix things in your life. You have to turn to God the Father. And when we turn to our feelings, what happens? We feed those feelings. We, we don't just nurse them. We nurture them and we grow them. And pretty soon they consume us and they control us. Those feelings of anger, those feelings of bitterness, those feelings of jealousy. And even today, we can put on the right clothes and we can, we can pretend in our families. But some of us, there's these feelings that are controlling our families today. Do you notice that Jesus was not consumed or controlled by his feelings? He was controlled by God the Father. And he turns to the Father. What happens when we turn to God the Father? Well, that means we got to turn away from just being feeling driven. 
And when we come to the Father, we find healing for our hearts. Do you realize that Jesus Christ hung on the cross? But he didn't hold on to the cross. Can I ask you, what are you holding on to today? Because for some of us, what we're holding on to is the past. And I'm going to tell you, many of us were holding on to the past today instead of holding on to his promises. Jesus was holding on to the promises that the Father had spoken. When you and I hold on to the past, it always poisons the present. And some of us, we have poisoned our lives. Because really what we keep turning to is not the Father, it's the past. And if you won't turn to the Father, I'm going to tell you, you don't really see the future. You don't have hope. You're not looking forward. You're constantly looking back. Some of you today, you're you're holding on to your pain instead of holding on to his peace. Some of you today, you're holding on to the people that have hurt you instead of the one who wants to love you and set you free. Now, you and I know this. Three nails, right? What they do with these nails? They nailed Jesus, right? They nailed him to a wooden cross so that he would suffer and die. And if you haven't figured out life yet, here's the thing. They didn't just nail Jesus, they're going to nail you. But here's the question that we need to ask. What are we going to do with these nails? Most of us spend our whole life trying to avoid the nails. You're going to get nailed. And it's going to hurt. And you are most likely going to suffer. But here's the question. What are you going to do with the nails? Jesus, when he showed his hands to Thomas, went like this. In order to do that, you know what? Some things I got to let go of, right? Thomas could see the scars, but did Thomas see the nails? Jesus wasn't holding on to the nails. He's holding on to you. And I want to ask you, what are you holding on to today? What is it that you really need to let go of? You see, it's also here that you and I not only see the word father, but we see the word forgiven. What you seek, you will find. That is a principle that that you and I understand. And if you seek the Father, what you will find is forgiveness. It is no surprise that the prayer that Jesus prayed had to do with forgiveness, because who did he seek first? He sought the Father, right? But how many of us today, instead of seeking the Father or seeking our feelings, and instead of finding forgiveness, we're finding revenge? And there are a lot of us today, we're buying into this belief that what we need to seek is fairness. Do you know what you find when you seek fairness? Frustration, because life isn't fair. It wasn't fair that Jesus Christ had to die in my place. And what's amazing to me today as a culture within each and every one of us is how easily we are offended today. We are so easily offended, and yet Jesus was so quick to forgive Something happens that we don't like. We're quick to be offended. Jesus was quick to forgive. Do you know what offense builds? Offense. Literally a wall. And every time you and I, I'm offended, I'm offended, we're building that fence between us and other people. Do you know what forgiveness builds? A bridge. 
I don't want to ask you, are you building walls today in your family or are you building bridges today in your family? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You and I can trust the words of Jesus because he wasn't two-faced. He was the real deal. When Jesus preached about turning the other cheek, you know what he did? He practiced what he preached. Even though it cost him, even though it was going to be painful, even though he knew that those Roman soldiers were being foolish and they really didn't know what they were doing, he still let them strike him. He could have called the angels. He could have said, no, I'm not turning the cheek. I'm just preaching principles. I'm not going to practice them, right? But Jesus was a real deal. When he taught his disciples to love, he loved. When he taught about compassion and kindness and caring for people, he healed the sick. He actually did what he said he was going to do. And you and I can trust and believe in his words. Father, forgive them. So I want to ask you this question. Have you been forgiven? Has there been a point in your life where you have been honest about yourself and you have admitted that, that even though you think you're a pretty good person because you're judging it based on other people that are worse than you, you are still a sinner? That Jesus didn't grade on a curve, but on a cross. And there are so many of us today, we, we're buying into this belief that, that if I could just be good, it's not about your good works, it's about God's work on the cross of Calvary. You can't get into heaven on a curve. It's only through the cross of Jesus Christ. Has there been a point in your life where you've admitted that you're a sinner and you've cried out for Jesus Christ to save you? Because if you have, here's the message this Easter. You are forgiven. Does that take a weight off? I'm forgiven. Now what are you going to do with that forgiveness? Are you going to walk in that forgiveness? Most of us today, we are still defining ourselves by our failure instead of our Father's forgiveness. And so we still carry all the guilt. Why? Because we're not living out the message of the cross. Because we're not walking in the freedom of that forgiveness. What are you going to do with that forgiveness? Are you just going to hold on to it? Or are you going to hand it out generously to the people around you? But they don't deserve to be forgiven. Neither did we. The criminal on the cross, he said it best. We're guilty. Jesus is innocent. This isn't fair. It wasn't about fairness. It was about forgiveness. What are you going to do with that forgiveness that wasn't fair? You're going to walk in that forgiveness? You're going to hand out that forgiveness? See, most of us say we want to be forgiven, but we just don't want to forgive. People that get grace give grace. And it's so amazing to me how we can see that, that we need the unconditional love of Jesus Christ, but then we put all these conditions on love in our marriage. It wasn't that way when we first got married. It, it was this free love. It was this unconditional love. It was a love that was quick to forgive an offense and not build a fence, but build a bridge. And then something happened over the years as our hearts started to harden and pretty soon what we've done with the message of the cross is we said forgiveness is just for me and not for you. What did Jesus actually have to forgive? When he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, what was he forgiving? He was forgiving the people that spit on him. Have you ever had nasty, hocked spit in your face? Nothing you can do about it? Mingled with the blood and the sweat and the tears? He was forgiving the people that whipped him. Have you ever had the flesh ripped off of your, your body? He was forgiving the people that nailed him to the cross, the people that, that laughed at him and hit him and threw things at him as he carried the cross through the city. 
He was forgiving Judas, who sold him out. Can I ask you this question? Are you selling out the Savior? Are you sold out for the Savior today? He was forgiving the religious leaders that that were egging it all on. These religious leaders that had been plotting for months to kill him. That's premeditated murder. He forgave all of that. And there are some of you today, you're not actually here. You're listening online, and here's why. Because somebody at some point in your life that claimed to be a Christian hurt you, and you say, I don't want to have anything to do with the church. Could we do something real honest this morning? If you've ever been hurt by someone that claimed to be a Christian, would you put your hand up? I have. Can you look around for a moment? Put your hand up. Yeah, it's okay to admit that. You want to know the number one reason people don't want to have anything to do with the church? Hypocrisy, right? They've been hurt by the church. Can I tell you what happened 2,000 years ago to Jesus? The religious leaders murdered him. Guess what's happening today? The church is still hurting people. Why? Because we're not walking in that forgiveness and handing out that forgiveness. I have been so hurt in my life by people in the church I've watched my wife be wounded by people in the church. I've watched my kids go through hard things because of people in the church. But I'm still here. Why? Because here's the reality. If I am going to call myself a follower of Jesus Christ, I have to be a forgiver like Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, the bride isn't perfect. The Bible talks about spot and wrinkle, and there's plenty of spots, and there's plenty of wrinkles, and there's a few moles on the bride of Christ. But Jesus died for us, for the church. And I want to encourage you, don't just let Father forgive them be something that's just for you. Hand that out to other people. And now we come to the last point, them. Who are them? Point number three, the foolish. Why do I call them foolish? Well, if you don't know what you're doing, you're kind of a fool, right? I mean, if I were to show up at your place of business and you're working away and I said, what are you doing? You're like, I don't have any clue. I'm just doing stuff. I'd be like, "Um, dude, I wouldn't put your hands in there. Something bad might happen, right? Who were the foolish? Was it the soldiers who were gambling for his garments? And what does Jesus say? They really don't know what they're doing. You're telling me they don't understand what they're doing? No, they understand that they're gambling, but what they don't realize is they're gambling with God. They didn't get that. Judas, it was only later that he really got it. I'm selling out the Savior. That's what I'm doing today. The Jewish... Leaders, if they had realized that Jesus was the Messiah, they would have been praising him, not trying to kill him. They didn't get it. They were foolish. The disciples that that ran away in fear to kind of try to save their skin, they didn't get it. If they had really got it, that Jesus was going to rise from the dead and he had told them, they'd have hung in there. And as you and I go through every single person that's talked about, Pilate and Herod, they were just playing politics like many politicians today. If they had really got it, if they really understood who was on trial, that this was the creator of the universe, they would have listened to their conscience and not to the crowd. But like most politicians, they wanted to be liked. They didn't want to lead. And they didn't get it. 
but what about you and I? Do we really get our sin today? The the words that you speak to your wife in anger, how foolish. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We're, We're destroying a heart. We're destroying somebody who's been created in the image of God. When we say things to our kids, you'll never amount to anything. How foolish. Why would we speak the words that we speak to the people that we love the most? Because we don't get it. And as I reflect in my life, most of the people that have hurt me, if they really realized what they were doing at the time, they wouldn't have done it. How many of us are living a foolish life today? Because we're not turning to the Father. We're not willing to forgive. Why? We just don't quite get it. And we want to celebrate the empty tomb, but we still don't get the cross. And so in reality, there's an emptiness to the tomb because we don't get it. We know the story, but it's here, not here. It's a story we talk about, not walk out. And every single day we have this opportunity. Every day can be Easter. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose to give grace. On Monday, I had this incredible opportunity to go to the Midwest Theater. And I want to tell you, I'm so thankful for the people that year after year put all that on. I know it's a ton of work. And Jerry, I know you do a lot of work for that. Thank you for doing that. And right before I got there, I I got the news that this cathedral that had taken 200 years to build in Paris, France, Notre Dame, was engulfed in flame. They were talking about all the artwork that was possibly going to be lost. And when they finally got the flames put out and we saw the first pictures, we were shocked and we were surprised. We shouldn't have been, but look at the picture. What was still standing at the altar? The cross of Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of that inferno, what was still standing? The cross. And that is the story for you and I. No matter what we go through in this life, the cross will still stand. Can I ask you, what does the cross stand for in your life? Because whatever it stands for will be what you stand for. And if the cross of Jesus Christ really truly stands for forgiveness and for freedom, that's what we will stand for. And we will learn to love people lavishly even if it costs us. We will choose to rest in that relationship with the Father instead of retaliating and responding with hate and with hurt. And so I want to ask you, what are you holding on to today? Because for some of you, there's some things that you need to let go of. Because you don't feel that freedom, you don't feel that, that, that grace, you're, you're living in the guilt today. For some of you, it, it's... It's this unforgiveness. For some of you, it's a pain in your past. And here's what I want us to do. We're going to sing one final song, Forgiven. And here's what I want you to do. In the chairs, there are little pads and there's pens. And I want each of you to just take a piece of paper. I want you to pass that pad on down the row and then put it back in. And whatever that is that you're holding on to, that you need to let go of, whatever those nails are, here's what I want you to do with that today. While this song is playing, we're going to join in, but I want you just to come when you're ready, and I just want you to leave that. And, and we love to have these Easter baskets, don't we? We love our Easter baskets. And so often we fill them up with all the good things, right? 
But here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to put good stuff in here today. I want you to put your garbage. I want you to come and I just want you to leave it here at the foot of the cross. And here's what we're going to do with it. I'm not going to read a single thing. And maybe it's a person in your past that has hurt you that you just need to finally let go of today. Just put the first name. And here's what I will promise you. I'm not going to read a single thing that goes in these baskets between you and God. But here's what I am going to do with them. Afterwards, I'm going to collect them all up. I'm going to take them home and put them in a burn barrel and I'm burning them. Because church, it's time for us to walk in freedom. So what is that in your life that you're holding on to? For some of you, maybe it's an abortion. No one knew about it. You've been walking in the guilt and in the shame and you've been, you've been holding yourself hostage because you won't just give that to God. For some of you, it's a word that you spoke to your wife this morning. Maybe you spoke to your kids on the way in here. Oh, oh, things look good when you walk through the doors, right? But, but they weren't good in the van on the way over. For some of you today, it's a pain of something that a parent said to you a long time ago and you've been allowing yourself to be defined by their words instead of the Father's words. What is it that you need to let go of? Just like these nails. What if you would just simply come? You don't have to say anything while the music's going and just say, here, God, I'm just leaving it here. So let's worship.
should have been lost forever I should have been in that fire But now there's fire inside of me Yeah, here I am, a dead man walking No grave gonna hold God's people All the weight of all our evil Lifted away forever free Who could believe, who could believe Forgiven, forgiven You love me even when I don't deserve that Forgiven, I'm forgiven Jesus, your blood makes me innocent So I will say goodbye to every sin I am forgiven yeah. I am forgiven showed that you are the example of forgiveness by forgiving us. God, help us to pass that forgiveness on to others. Help us to live out the resurrection as Giles spoke about, as your word teaches about. Help us to be a light into the world. God, I just want to take a moment. I want to pray for the believers in Sri Lanka right now and the churches that were bombed. God, they are being persecuted. They're being tried. And I just pray for those who have lost loved ones. I pray that their faith and their forgiveness towards the people who attacked them would shine brightly to the rest of this world. God, help us not to look on the attackers with anger, but with love. They need a Savior. They need Jesus. They need the resurrection power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, as we leave these walls, I help the church to live loud out in this community. I pray this in your faithful name, Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed.